Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 60. Guess what? It's a great big world out there, and you don't have to be scared, because it's all yours for the taking. I know that your dreams are big and bright, and God gave you this life to do crazy things. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, Principal from Skytook High School and host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. If you'd like to check out free resources for school leaders, you can do so at my website at williamdparker.com. If you'd like to subscribe for free weekly updates, you can do so there, and I'll send you a free ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders, or you can check out my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, and Courage Needed for School Leaders at my website or at amazon.com. This week, I want to talk about how mindfulness influences leadership. A few nights ago, I was sitting on the couch with my wife, Missy, when our four children slowly made their way into the living room and that actually has become a pretty unique experience for us because our lives are often so busy with three na- three teenage girls and an 11-year-old boy that we rarely seem to find time for all of us together these days. Emily, our oldest, had come and sat on the floor next to my wife so she could get mommy scratches while she was playing on her iPhone. And Maddie, our second oldest, was across the room. She had placed her laptop on the piano bench and had a video of dancers from the musical Beauty and the Beast she was watching as she was dancing along, practicing the same moves. And Katie, our third girl, was on the opposite couch from us with her guitar and she was playing a version of Hello from the Other Side and I could hear my oldest humming harmonies along with her. And then there was Jack uh, with a snack of cheese crackers on the table And with a cracker in his mouth, he was everywhere. Sometimes he was carrying his basketball or moving it between his legs or bouncing it, or he'd sit on the couch and hum along with the music and then he'd jump back up for another cracker. And somehow each of them was in his or her own solitary world while sharing the same moment with one another. And I just sat back holding Missy's hand Soaking in the moment and feeling an overwhelming sense of gratitude. And older parents tell me to savor these times because they won't last for long. Now, what does this have to do with school leadership? Well, stay with me for a moment. Because I would like to talk in this episode about the power of mindfulness. As I was thinking about this sweet moment, I was reminded of a recent podcast conversation that I had heard between Tim Elmore and Britt Andrita on the Growing Leaders podcast. And Dr. Andrita, who's the author of Wired to Grow, as well as her newest book, Wired to Resist, was sharing some of her findings about the brain and learning. Her her first book explored the ways that learners thrive when they encourage patterns for brain engagement. But her second book looked at the instinctive resistance that can happen when our brains are confronted with any kind of change. In this interview, she explained that 
Organizations that implement change can face pressures and difficulties anytime there's a change initiative. And her research shows what many leaders um, have found in their practices. But here are four takeaways that she gave in this conversation. And I want to focus on one of them, but let me just tell you all four. First of all, when anticipating change, she suggests four things. Number one, acknowledging that change is disruptive. Number two, nurturing yourself by dialing up self-care. Number three, creating a team experience for the upcoming change. And number four, practicing mindfulness. Now, all of those are fascinating topics of conversation, and I just ordered her new book, so I'm looking forward to exploring each of these takeaways. But I was especially intrigued by her comments on mindfulness, because she explained that as she studied mindfulness, she was beginning to see how those practices, the benefits of practices involved in mindfulness, were undeniable, and things that she was beginning to practice in her own work and in her own approach to change. She explained that mindfulness is what helps you keep perspective and maintain a positive outlook during difficult times. If you look up the definition of mindfulness, which I did um, just a few minutes ago, you will find that the dictionary definition has two ways it explains mindfulness. First, Mindfulness is the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. And number two, it's defined as a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment, calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, body sensations, and sometimes this is used as a therapeutic technique. Now, what was interesting to me is that mindfulness is something that's often talked about in human psychology, and I believe that it's even finding its ways into conversations about education. Let me just give you a few references. If you look um, at a 2015 Psychology Today article called What is Mindfulness and How Does It Work by Dr. Greg Enrique, he says this, quote, It is readily arguable that the single most significant development in mental health practice since the turn of the millennium has been the widespread emergence of mindfulness-based approaches, end quote. And although much of the research that you find on mindfulness tends towards things like meditation or thought practices, I believe that these same ideas of being in the moment tend to apply to the way that we want to approach our school leadership. I sometimes don't know how to separate mindfulness and mindset in Uh, Even though those terms aren't exactly the same, it's interesting to me that there have been other books recently, one by Carol Dweck called Mindset, which focuses on the psychology that it takes for those who want to continually grow. The kind of mindset that you have will affect your ability to grow and change. Or even uh, George Kuros's recent book, The Innovator's Mindset. And so you have an example of a researcher in Carol Dweck's case and a practitioner in George's case, both of whom are showing direct correlations between how we think about growth and openness and how it affects the outcomes for those around us and for ourselves. Now, whether you're discussing mindsets or mindfulness, I think that we can all accept the truth that the way we think affects the way we learn. And I believe that the way we think affects the way that we lead. So here's my question in this week's episode. Why is mindfulness such a powerful practice 
for those of us in educational leadership. And although I'll let the experts explain their research, I believe that there's an important takeaway in my own practice that I would sum up like this. I believe that your ability to recognize simple and amazing moments can result in deeper levels of gratitude, motivation, reflection, and action. Now, I know in some ways that's a no-brainer, but let me just stay there for just a moment with you. First, let me just talk about some practices from recent days at my own school. This past semester, we decided to begin testing out some remediation schedules for the next school year. And I'm really proud of the work that our scheduling team has done, as well as the courage that our teachers have shown in being willing to trial run some different remediation schedules. We've called these beta testing, these ideas. And you can check out recent posts on beta testing if you want more explanation of how we've been doing that at our school. But our goal was to see if we could focus on a concentrated time within our scheduled day to work with students who are still struggling with essential skills and how could we embed a schedule, practice an embedded schedule now that we could begin using for next year. Now, although this beta test has given us trial runs that have given us good samples for next year, it hasn't come without its challenges because we have disrupted our normal schedule to practice by taking a few minutes away from each class in order to focus on a 25-minute block time for these focused remediation times. And one of the results has been the inevitable pushback and pressure that comes with change. But here's the good news. The good news is that we've been able to test and tweak and retry these practices that we'd like to be using for next year. But when I think about the challenges that have been involved in beta testing throughout the spring, I have to keep the pros and the cons in perspective. And frankly, I also have to keep reminding myself that both positive and negative feedback are constructive. So from a leader's perspective, I can say that it's been hard to keep those ideas in mind during the middle of work that involves piloting ideas that raise issues or that create change or that produce resistance. But even in the midst of all of that, I believe that we stay motivated through our mindfulness. So let me give you an example of that. And I hope you're tracking with me in this conversation. So just stay with me a moment because now let me switch gears. Those are the academic pressures that we're facing. And then just a few nights ago, I was attending our school prom. And I was thinking about the both the pros and the cons of the spring semester, the things that we face that have been both encouraging and challenging. And I was thinking about school proms. You know, this is the, oh goodness, 13th year that I've supervised a prom since I've become an admin in 2004. I have a daughter who's a senior this year, so um, having Emily attend the prom adds a new perspective to the experience. But when I think back to these recent weeks and I think back to um, this prom night, um, This evening, uh, first it just began like every other evening that I've ever been to with a prom. Girls dressed in beautiful gowns and boys in tuxes, uh, lots of finger foods and soda and bottled water and loud music and lights. But there was one aspect that was different this year. We had a fantastic DJ who not only picked great music, but he also loved to dance. And he would jump down from the stage onto the dance floor with a mic in his hand, and he would teach the students a line dance or some new move. And he would alternate between genres and artists. Uh, there, there was so much laughter 
and fun and singing that the atmosphere was contagious. And even some of our teachers um, joined in the, the, the fun and the dancing. And I, I don't think I've ever seen so many students stay on a dance floor for so long through the evening. And he, what the best part was that he kept the evening fun without it deteriorating into any inappropriate dance behavior. And my fellow principals out there know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, most of this time I was walking around and taking photos. And at one point I decided to just pull up a chair and sit back and take it in. And here's what I saw. Students from various different backgrounds different income levels, different interests who were mingling in this huge group, uh, couples dancing, groups of girls holding hands, other students that were circled around a single dancer showing off their moves. Um, at one point, in fact, I saw our senior class president who recently was accepted at West Point. He made his way over the dance floor to a, one of our younger girls who's a special needs student, and he asked her to dance it was just beautiful to see these students in these large groups having such a great time and, and to watch that one couple, um, both of them beaming beneath the cascading lights of purple and blue and gold that were showering the room from the spinning disco ball that was overhead. And as I looked at this scene, I suddenly began to have the same feeling that I had when I was sitting in my living room watching my own children play this overwhelming sense of gratitude. And I thought, this is why we do it. Whether it's academics or activities, these amazing young people make the hard work of being an educator so worth it. So how does mindfulness affect our leadership? Well, let's wrap this up. Because this week, this is the takeaway that I would like each of us to be thinking about. I know that you could tell me stories from the last few weeks of your school, stories just like my own about challenging scenarios or stress that comes with school leadership. You could talk about the plans you're taking for next year's schedules or the new technologies that you're trying to use. And these are all in incredibly important parts of our school. Uh, they require teamwork and collaboration and they require good leadership. But our strategies and our goals and our to-dos in education are more bearable when we can rem remember the why behind the work of being educators and school leaders. And when I think about the night a few nights ago watching my own children, um, and I picture my eighth grade daughter sitting on the couch with her hair pulled back in a bun and little curls finding their way out as she was concentrating on bar chords and singing, or my daughter's graceful poise and long arms and legs twirling and spinning. Um, when I think about uh, these kinds of things, then I can begin to practice a form of mindfulness that helps me remember why the hard work of parenting is so worth it. But I can also practice those same practices of mindfulness when it applies to my school leadership. Just like sitting back at that prom and feeling the same emotions about those kids as I feel about my own. So this week, can I encourage you to pause for a moment in your busyness? Because spring is so incredibly busy. And can I ask you to take stock of what is right in front of you? Don't ignore the challenges. But at the same time, how can you find the joy in the better moments of your day? And how can you savor them? 
you know, they don't last for long. These great moments don't come every moment of our day, but they can serve as powerful motivations to help us keep serving. So now it's your turn. What are the positives that are surrounding you right now that you can acknowledge and celebrate? And how can you take action today towards mindfulness in your work? How can you make the most of being in the moment so that you can serve others with that kind of motivation? And let me encourage you to do one other thing. Uh, at the time of this recording, it's, uh, it's April. And in just a few days, um, on April 11th, John Wink has made an invitation via Twitter that I would like to make you aware of. It's called Love My School Day. And one way you can make the most of mindfulness is by taking part in John's invitation to celebrate the best moments of your school across the nation or the world, if you're hearing this outside of North America, on April 11th. Um, I would like to invite you to jump on Twitter on April 11th and share out photos and ideas and moments of celebration about your school and use the hashtag LoveMySchoolDay. And I'll link to that hashtag and that Twitter feed in, in the show notes for this podcast today. But think about how you can be mindful enough of the work that you're doing that you can share those awesome moments with the rest of the world because they deserve to know that you serve a great school. Well, that's it for this week. If this post has been helpful in any way at all, please share it out with other school leaders. And if you'd like to check out other free resources for school leaders, you can do so at my website at williamdparker.com. If you want to subscribe for weekly updates, I'll send you uh, an ebook called Eight Hats, Essential Roles for School Leaders, and you can subscribe at my, my website. You can also check out my book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Action, and Courage Needed for School Leaders at my website or at amazon.com. I hope that you have a fantastic week, and I hope that until next time, that you remember that what you do matters. And I'll see you soon.